We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel with some Australian flavor. What's up, Jack? As the infamous Charlie Day of It's Always Sunny said, Nick, we're crab people now. <laughs> we are crab people. Episode 33. So it actually works out perfectly. Crab also set the record last night for most all-time uh, threes in a season for a net. So congrats on that. He also lit it up. And the Nets got a W, 125-111. On the road in Charlotte, impressive game from the Nets, right, Jack? Probably our best offensive performance of the season, Nick. Uh, it just things things just seemed to flow all night. We had the fourth quarter as our only stretch where we couldn't score over thirty, and that's saying some thirty five points, thirty points, thirty one, twenty nine. We looked in control the entire game. There were there were moments early on uh, that the Hornets sort of fought a little bit. Dwight Howard was sort of bullying Jared Allen down low a little bit, but for most of the game, he was nullified. Kemba Walker was good without being great. It was just a really great team performance all around by our boys. Yeah, it was a great win. And like you said, on the road and the fact that they kind of had the lead all game a little bit. And you were a little nervous, especially with the last two games, blowing late game leads, having the lead late against the Cavs and the Clippers and even the Kings and not being able to pull that off. But they bounced back. They got the win, like you said, offensively. Alan Crabb lit it up. Karis LeVert had a nice game. Uh, Rondé had a nice game. You know, even with D'Angelo and Dinwiddie not having their best games of the season, the team still really took off offensively, which is nice to see. I think that's right. That's a real key, Nick. You, normally, we see Spencer or D'Lo, and then uh, there's a lot of occasions where it tends to be that those two will shine, but then the rest of the team just can't lift, and we get the we get the L. But unfortunately for us, you know, there was just so much great performances from guys coming off the bench. When you look at Joe Harris, Rondé, Karras, as you mentioned, all three of those guys chipped in masterfully. And Alan Crabb uh, continued some great form uh, post-All-Star break and a little bit pre-All-Star break. You know, uh, he's certainly starting to earn that money. And 
you know, as soon as he hurts, hits those first two, the the whole floor just opens up for him. He was great, and it's good to see because um he's been putting in the work, as we said, and the rewards are finally coming through for him. Yeah, and he attacked the rim a little bit last night too, which is always good. And I think when he attacks early, it kind of keeps the defense off balance a little bit. They can't fully commit to the three as much. And like you said, you know, anytime a shooter like that hits their first two shots, you know, they're probably going to cook. And when he's dropping games like this, 29 points, and he's really going to start attracting the defense a little bit more, the money isn't as bad. What do you think Crab needs to do the rest of the season for you to feel confident about him being a starter next year? Look, for me, it's it's about attacking, making that first one or two shots or, you know, not forcing it, so to speak. He's He's got some nice space from some from some nice screens of Jared Allen and, and Joe Harris, just giving him that extra foot. You know, that first one he took, I think, or the first or second one he took, that was like three feet behind the line. So you could just tell his mentality was there. You know, an 82-game stretch, is, it's a long way to sort of stay engaged for the entire season, especially for a team like us. You know, there's no, nothing really to play for other than really pride and, you know, making the Cavs a bit more upset. Um, but for me, what I really last really liked last night, Nicholas uh, Letourneau did a nice, obviously, through Nets Daily, a nice little piece like breaking down his game. Inside the paint, um, a three of four shooting, so 75%. You know, he was able to use his spacing from the perimeter to get inside and make some nice cuts and get some nice little dinkers and dumpers and, you know, be a bit more physical. And I think that for us as a team, just it sets the standard. And I think it was a really good sort of all-round performance from Alan Crabb, not just, you know, shooting lights out and, you know, a, a huge stat that you mentioned earlier, Nick, but, you know, he's making his game a lot more well-rounded than just being that sort of flat-out, you know, top shooter that we saw in Portland. Now he's sort of getting a more complete offensive game, and it's nice to see. And the defense is good too, getting a block on the steal. Yeah, and uh, the I think the, you know the key word was focus and engagement for him yesterday. You know, like you said, engaged offensively, attacking a little bit more, but defensively he did a good job in Batum early. And I think that makes a difference when you're having success, and you know at least one end of the floor it definitely helps a team. So going into next season, I like to see the improved defense the rest of the year, and like you said, attack the rim because you're not always going to hit your three ball. But if you can attack the rim, especially with the way the Nets face the floor, sometimes it could really help the team. Yeah, and just on that, Greg Logan had a really nice tweet of Newsday. So he uh, had a word to Kenny Atkinson. And Kenny Atkinson noted that the Nets are actually a top five team in drives. Uh, he's In terms of shot selection, he says the problem is our shot selection from the perimeter. He said he wants more uncontested catch-and-shoot looks and fewer late setbacks off four dribbles. So a lot of the time that can come from guys like an Alan Crabbe, Joe Harris, and probably more like a D'Angelo Russell, maybe even a Karis LeVert. But Spencer Dillman is probably a main offender of that as well. So I think it's the quality of the shots that we're taking. And, you know, despite the fact that Alan Crabbe has taken one or two probably maybe bad shots, for the most part, you know, if you're feeling it, you know, take them. Why not? You know, you're hot, you're hot. But, you know, all the shots he, he, was, taken, he was taken from inside and out, they were good looks. And he was, he was creating the good looks for himself. And he was being fed good looks by the rest of his team because, you know, we were shooting well from the floor, over 50% um, as a whole. You know, from three, average enough, you know, a little bit under 35%. But you know, I think it was just the quality and the move. We mentioned ball movement in the last episode, Nick, and it seemed like the ball was fizzing around nicely, creating nice movement, creating nice little openings, you know, to cut into the lane and just, you know, some nice ball movement and team play all around. Yeah, and I think Crab's probably one of the guys on the team that benefits the most from ball movement. When the offense is really kicking, everybody's moving around, there's less iso ball. I think Crab's a guy that definitely benefits from that. But just a quick reminder before we continue, you can listen to the, the Brooklyn Buzz now on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, and will now be airing on Dash Radio. But Jack, you know, last night the Nets ended some streaks. They ended a four-game losing streak, a 10-game lo- road losing streak, and then also a losing streak in Charlotte. 
to you, which was the most important to end? Uh, it's going to be the the general losing streak, Nick. You know, it was um, it was getting a bit depressing being Nets fans. You know, having to <laughs> see all these L's and trying to find the mini victories within the losses. Um, you know, there's always play development. We harp on that, but it's finally nice to get on a podcast, get get on a show, get on and chat with you, and actually go, okay, cool, we've got a win here. Let's analyze how we got this win. And for me, the important part, just looking through the stats on ESPN and, and the like, thirty assists to nineteen. Um. I harped on it, we harped on it in the last episode how it was sort of a key for us going into the rest of the season, you know, ball movement and energy to absolutely dominate in that area. 30 um, of, four, of our 47 field goal attempts made, 30 of them were assisted. That's just pretty outstanding, um, pretty outstanding right there. So great stuff from our nets getting, um, getting the ball moving nicely. Yeah, and another great point, like uh, we mentioned, and we see this on Twitter as well, Dinwiddie didn't necessarily have a great shooting game. He obviously fouled out, but he did have 10 assists. You know, he helped get the offense going. Even D'Lo a little bit early on in the game. He went a little bit ISO later on. But to start the game, I felt like they both did a good job just getting everybody involved. And, you know, just a lot of guys benefit from that. And Karis LeVert also got a lot more point guard minutes last night. And I think that kind of helped a little bit because he was more in a facilitating mode last night. Yeah, it just suits him a lot more, Nick. We we saw it earlier in the season before the injury, before that nasty sort of knock with, with the Nene, um, that he just looks so much more comfortable in that position um, as a ball handler, as a as a primary offensive creator, as a guy who can sort of, you know, create looks for others. You know, there was a couple of nice sort of pull-ups that he had. You know, his shot was looking good. And, you know, he's uh, a, quite a crafty passer as well. And his length just allows him and his, and his vision allows him to find, you know, those little holes that not many other point guards can find. Um, another little stat that I really liked um, was in the fast break. We scored 13 fast break points to zero. You know, and for me, the key for that watching the replay was the defense. We were able to get deflection, able to get steals, and get at it in transition really easily and quickly. Alan Crabb, I think Damari Kell did it twice or three times last night. So just some really good all-round play from, you know, from man one to eight, one to nine uh, on the roster. Just a really good team performance, and I can't harp on it enough. Yeah, no, it was a great team effort. And we mentioned defense and being more aggressive, getting those deflections, getting those easy fast breaks for a team like the Nets. And I think just the Nets are a team where confidence is important. When they start to get some easy buckets early to start the game, I think it really helps them throughout the contest. And we saw that again last night. But to get back to Levert, like you mentioned, the hit that he took from the Ney, he took a hit from Cody Zeller last night, and it really pissed him off. It was an elbow to the head. He kind of landed similar to what happened after the Nene incident. But he got up. He was pretty mad. He had something to say to Zeller. And then from that point on, he just really kicked it in the second half. You know, 22 points, eight assists, four rebounds. You know, it's just a really good game from Karis LeVert. Yeah, the, this kid's just so, so many flashes, Nick. It's 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 hard to put a ceiling on him. You know, I know we've talked about it. I know he's one of your boys. Um, but he's just got so many weapons in terms of his skill set. You know, in, in terms of like we, we talk about D'Lo as being a franchise piece. But, you know, surely Karis LeVert is, is not far under that because he's got so – his defense is just a, a notch or two above as well. So he's able to affect the game on both ends of the floor. And he also is, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the season, he that partnership with Jared Allen as well, that sort of, you know, uh, unspoken chemistry, so to speak. I think Karis LeVert is just building and building. And, you know, these are the sort of performances that we're sort of we're coming to expect of him. And, you know, when he's he's not performing to this level, you know, he's at least able to use, you know, his uh, active defense, you know, his passing game, his rebounding game. You know, the, the Nets really had a really good team rebounding performance, and he was a huge part of that. So, you know, Karis Levert can really set the tone, especially with that second unit. Yeah, and you can feel the energy. Him and Rondé both coming back, I think you instantly can almost feel it watching the team even. But Levert, like you said, even when the shot's not falling defensively, he brings something. 
Also, his passing, his inside passing game is really incredible. Yeah, a lot of wraparounds, a lot of bounces. You know, as soon as he kind of develops even more as a passer from the top of the key, you know, along the running the pick and roll a little bit more. You know, we saw a pass last night that was pretty nice. I think he hit Allen Crabb cutting to the rim. You know, he's six seven, lanky as hell, and Kemba Walker's guarding him. You know, he's going to be able to see right over him, throw the ball right down the line to Crabb. Got the easy layup. I yeah, got... I, think that, I think that's one thing. Sorry to cut you off, Nick. That we need to be quite excited about because D'Angelo Russell as well has this really it's all of us it's it's a very different passing game he's got this he can whip it like cross court and and cross perimeter and it's just like it's it's whipping around whereas Karras has that sort of finesse and that nice touch sort of like if we're talking like a Leo sort of messy style in, in the in his ability to sort of craft craft his way around I'm pretty sure we've actually compared him to Leo Messi before um in in terms of a a, a soccer and football context oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah so I think he's got and the fact that um Vianette's daily he scored a, this is Karras about he scored over 20 points twice in his last three games after doing so three times in his first 53 games of the season. So, you know, he's certainly feeling no more ill effects, that's for sure. I think the fact that, you know, you mentioned ceiling before, I don't know if anybody really considered him the possibility of being a 20-plus point scorer, but I think it's a possibility now with the fact his hesitation and if he refines that uh, that jump shot a little bit in the pull-up game and also the passing ability. Over his last uh, three games, he's averaging 19 points a game, shooting over 51% from the field, 37% from three, over five assists a game, over four rebounds, a steal, and all on uh, 1.6 turnovers in 28 minutes. So, yeah. I mean, that's big numbers efficiency-wise, too. That's similar to the numbers we saw from D'Angelo early in the season when he was really lighting it up. Obviously, there's just better shooting percentages in a smaller sample size, but you got to be excited about Karis LeVert. Yeah, both of those guys, there's just oodles to be excited about. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever used that word in my life. I'm, I'm glad it's going to be going on Dash Radio and every other platform. Um, but 16 of, 20, 16 of his 22 points came in the second half. So he was certainly ready coming into that second half, sort of extending that lead. You know, he, he was one of the guys with Alan Crabb to sort of help set the scene. But he sort of, you know, led the led the way in terms of the second half, you know, shooting 8 of 15, you know, those 8 assists as well. He just fills it up. You know, he, he's... He could consistently flow with the triple-double uh, in terms of his ability now. As we mentioned, his passing game is very, very good. His, you know, rebounding game is very good for a guard, you know, bordering on, like, he's got the size of a wing. And, you know, as that we mentioned, you know, his shot might be one of his weaker areas, but it's certainly developed out of sight when we were talking about, you know, in early October, in late October, early November, we said that, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, would eventually come. And as Lo and behold, it has. And, you know, it's not just necessarily the three-point shot as well. You know, D'Lo sort of takes these pull-up twos. And I think Karras is starting to look a little bit more confident with that, you know, all around the floor. And he's he's quite good at getting to the line as well. You know, he's able to get inside. And you mentioned those sort of nifty passes. But if he can create some moves around the rim as well, it's going to make him even more dangerous. Just overall, it's an offensive threat. His hesitation game is crazy. You know, yeah. we always talk about D'Angelo and Spencer with the pump fake game. You know, Karras has a really nice hesitation game. Obviously, he's got a good fake game too. But uh, like you said, I think going to the rim, he'll probably start to get a little bit more respect as well. You know, we've had some seen some games this year where he's definitely been hacked and he didn't get the call, but continues to drive in there. And like you said as well, you know, that mid-range jump shot will be a nice tool with the pick and roll. Also, we've seen him use a teardrop a little bit, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Now, Nick, I have to, we can't go on further without talking about my boy, Joe Harris. Okay. So uh, Nets, uh, I think it was the Glue Guys posted on their Twitter page about when is Joe Harris going to be getting the max. Now, I'm <laughs> surprised that he's not on a max already. But 
has he been our most we talked a little bit about this off wax but has he been our most consistent performer of the year now you could chuck in maybe a spencer dinwiddie uh maybe a ron ellis jefferson before the injury but for me joe harris night in night out maybe a bar a game or two is giving you so much off the bench that he sort of is one of the guys that you know you expect him to give you something whether it's a few shots whether it's some defense whether it's some cutting you know there's, he's come at a sight and he might be a guy that's not going to be, you know, getting all the headlines. But for me, um, he's a headline every night in my eyes. Yeah, he's just one of these key role players. And like you said, you know, consistent-wise, he might not have better games than any of the starters or some of the guys on the team. But consistency, you know, he's putting up similar numbers every single night. Effort's the same every single night. You kind of know what to expect from Joe Harris. Even when the three ball's not hitting now, he drives to the rim a little bit, attacks the paint. So I think, you know, that's a fair point to say he's been our most consistent player. You know, he's a role player, but he's been the most consistent player in terms of his role. Yeah, and I think, you know, in terms of we, we've mentioned this quote before and how much we love it from Tristan Thompson in terms of, you know, you don't need to be a superstar to make an impact in the league. You just need to be a superstar in your role. And exactly. Joe Harris epitomizes that more than any other. You know, his energy off the bench, you know, is a really intangible asset that, you know, you can't really teach guys energy. You can't teach them engagement. You can't teach them sort of, you know, hustle. But Joe Harris has that in spades. You know, we talked about and um, his ability just to sort of get to the line has been sort of, you know, increased out of sight. You know, his ability to sort of cut and, you know, create space for him and his teammates, lay some nice screens, hang out on their perimeter for when it's needed. You know, he, he creates contact, you know. There's just so many great little things that he does that sort of add up and really give the the Nets as a whole just some really nice boosts and energy off the bench. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that you don't mind, you know, hopefully he stays around and nobody throws a huge contract out in this offseason. He's, def- yeah, he's the type the, of guy that everybody wants. I, yeah, I think the timing, I was going to just cut in with you now. I think the timing right now in terms of where the salary cap is at, you look at Lou Williams who, you know, signed for the mid-level exception, which was, I think, eight uh, three-year, $24 million deal. You know, I'd be happy to get, you know, Joe Harris on a on a four-year, $24 million deal, you know, $6 million a year. Uh, in term, and, you know, he's 25, 26 years old. He's by no means washed up. And we talked about as well off wax the fact that you look at guys like Kyle Corver right now in his late 30s. You know, Joe, JJ Redick in his mid to late 30s right now. You know, Joe Harris has a long way to get that to elite consistent standard. This is sort of his breakout year. But if this is anything to go by, I think consistency, you know, across an 82-game season can be said and could be a really good indicator going forward. Yeah, and not to mention, you you hinted on a little bit before, driving to the paint in the assist game a little bit, improving defensive-wise. He did that all in a summer. You know, he's a lot better than he was last season, so I'd like to see what he could do in another offseason as well. Definitely. But moving on to Rondé, another guy came off the bench last night and had a nice game. One of probably my favorite Rondé games of the season, to be honest. 18 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 7-13 from the field. And he just did a good job attacking. The energy was there. It was just like one of those vintage type of Rondé games. It definitely was. Um, it, it's interesting to see uh, Coach Kenny sort of experimenting with the lineups, keeping uh, Rondé and Karras off the bench because they were so pivotal coming off the bench. But Alan Crabb as a starter and, and Damari Carroll provides some really nice spacing. And Jared Allen sort of gives you that vertical spacing a la Clint Capella style. Um, so I really like where the starting lineup is. So I don't know if I'd really mess with it. Um, but Rondé, the way he's playing right now, he's certainly forcing himself to into that conversation. But I do remember, you know, a game or two ago, him saying, you know, he's happy to do whatever. He's happy to do whatever um, it means for the team. Because I think right now, you know, starting roles, they're, they're sort of like, unless you're like a J.R. Smith or a Tristan Thompson or whatever, you know, unless you're in one of those sort of established teams, 
the role doesn't necessarily matter. You know, the minutes will be there for him. The minutes will be there for a Carol Savert. You know, you can still play upwards of 30 minutes, 32 minutes if you're coming off the bench. It doesn't necessarily matter in today's NBA. You look at Lou Williams. Guys coming off the bench are as valuable as, you know, guys that start. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see going forward whether Rondé can force himself to that starting lineup. I like him where he is now. But, you know, if there's experimentation and, you know, we want to, you know, give us some different sort of looks out there, it's going to be interesting alongside of Jared Allen. It's going to be a little bit iffy, but whereas uh, alongside of Carroll, it might work a little bit. Or even in a super small lineup, um, if Coach Kenny wants to go down that avenue. Um, I'm be interesting to hear your thoughts, whether, you know, he has the, he's been in the form of his life so far. Does, is that enough for him to get back into the starting lineup? I think what you said, Jack, makes 100 times sense is the fact that, you know, starting doesn't really matter. It's all about the minutes. I look at the minutes from last night, and Lavert and Rondé both played 30 minutes. Yeah. I, I don't really care if they're starting or not, long as they're getting 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Long as he's on the floor for 30 minutes and whatever combo you want it to be, you know, some guys, I think they care about their confidence a little bit more, where Rondé's a guy that they feel like, all right, he doesn't mind coming off the bench. Him and Karras are kind of really killing it off the bench. You know, maybe we keep it. We know D'Angelo. We know Alan Crabb might be, you know, a little bit sensitive and it might hurt them if we bench them and they might take it the wrong way, especially with Crabb playing so well. We're so, you know, the other guys, they don't care as much. So I think that's why they might just leave it how it is. Unless somebody's out, don't see, be surprised if you see somebody randomly get a rest game. You know, maybe they have a light ankle sprain and, yeah, the Nets are like, all right, we're going to give Damari Carroll the night off. All right, we're yeah. going to give Jared Allen the night off. Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Lo, Allen Crabb. I could see anybody getting a night off because they've all had minor injuries all season. So Yeah, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. You mentioned Damari up the top. I think he's probably uh, most likely, you know, he's been stellar for us this season. We were talking about most consistent performers with Joe Harris. But, you know, Damari Carroll has just been a real leader. Uh, I think that's been the key thing for him. Not only, in, you know, just his mentorship towards our younger players, but his on-call play has been anything but salary dumb you know he's been absolutely outstanding and you know setting the setting the standard not only on the offensive end but especially on the defensive end so you know he's been a great addition but um you know if it means you know experimenting you know putting Rondé out there for at the four I want to see guys you know pushing themselves out of their comfort zone you know Rondé taking a couple of threes Jared Allen take a couple of threes you know play some all all small ball lineups you know get Dante Cunningham out there at the five which was uh which he was out there for for some periods you know shout out to him you know DC is having some I don't know if anyone calls him DC but I'm looking at him and him that now but DC has been having some you know some he provides some nice energy we talk about the fact that AC, um, you know, his, his minutes have been sort of taken away thanks to the, the former Dante Cunningham. You know, his spacing uh, really helps us a lot more. And he sort of provides similar sort of energy. Um, you know, he doesn't have the sort of grunt and, and wildness uh, that, that a Quincy AC does. But at the same time, you know, Quincy will find some minutes here and there because, you know, there's going to, like you mentioned, there'll be injuries going into the end of the season. Jared Allen will be hitting the rookie wall soon enough. Um, so yeah, great to see DC doing some nice things in, uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Cunningham's definitely been impressive. Like I didn't really think much of the trade. I didn't know it really meant anything except getting AC less minutes, but now he's pretty much taken all of his minutes. And like you said, he's just under control. His skill set's a little bit different, but he still provides some energy and toughness to the team. And the second unit really needs that. And he also adds spacing. You know, it's not as bad playing him with uh, Rondé. You know, they've done a little four or five with Cunningham at the five, Rondé at the four. You know, it's definitely a more athletic lineup. And it kind of allowed Rondé to attack the rim a little bit more last night. I think that's one reason he had a better game. He was able to kind of just get back in the paint. I think he probably had maybe his best dunk of the season last night. He yeah. just was, you know, taking advantage of Dwight not being that quick and just, you know, really working his way in there and being aggressive. You know, a few layups he missed. He got the offensive rebound and put it right back in. 
Yeah, I think aggression uh, is a huge thing in today's NBA. You know, all the all the players always get asked, you know, what's the key to, to success? You know, you ask Russell Westbrook, you know, just stay aggressive, just stay aggressive. You know, it's 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 all a mentality. And I think Rondé's mentality since he's been back has been absolutely top-notch. Can't ask more of him. Um, I'm going to shout out necessarily again because this is a really nice stat. I think it's, it's emblematic of um, the system for us going forward. Now, Damari Carroll set a career high for most three-pointers made in the season at 121. He's one of three Nets this season to hit 120 or more three-pointers with Crabb and Harris. And it's the first time in franchise history where three players have done so in a singular season. And Dinwiddie's only two away from making it four players. So, you know, the Nets are certainly, you know, we mentioned uh, earlier in the pod, earlier in the show, the fact that, you know, he, that we've been driving as well. So our system is certainly there. It's just about execution. And, you know, it worked last night. Hopefully it can work uh, for a few more games going forward. For sure. And you mentioned Dinwiddie. I mean, obviously Dinwiddie and D'Lo both had, you know, not stellar games. Dinwiddie put up six points, 10 assists. D'Lo had eight points, two assists. Uh, Dinwiddie fouled out. D'Lo shot terrible from the field. Whose game were you more, more worried about moving forward? More worried about? I don't think I have really worries for any of them, Nick. Um, I think it's interesting to see them, you know, when they are not performing, how they can sort of still contribute. Now, I think Spencer Dinwiddie has a more well-rounded, mature game. Despite the fact that, you know, in terms of his uh, experience within the league, he doesn't have it as much as Dele. Obviously, he's been, he was out in LA for a couple of years. But, you know, as he mentioned in that piece that we talked about, he wants to cement his legacy out here in Brooklyn. I think right now, Spencer Dinwiddie has the ability to sort of, you know, impact a little bit more in terms of outside of his scoring. You know, his passing game is one of the best in the league. He's one of the best passing point guards. And I think the numbers reflect that. He's also getting to the line a little bit. It was nice to see D'Lo get into the line, you know, four or five times um, to actually impact the score. But even when his shooting wasn't going that well, I think that's one thing that he can focus on. We talked about that in the last show as well. So I think, you know, for D'Lo, I think it's just being able to impact the game in other ways when he's, you know, he's not finding, you know, his offensive rhythm. Um, and I think that'll come for him because, you know, his defense is still a work in progress, to say the least. But, you know, he's still a young guy. And, you know, when there's going to be up and down games. But, you know, we mentioned the last game against the Golden State Warriors was one, of, was one of his best for the season. You know, he can't have 82 good games, especially for a guy who's still finding his feet. Not everyone can be Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. And even those <laughs> guys have had, their, have, have had their bad games. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, like you said, it's not like super worrisome about moving forward, but like, I think you did a good job pointing out each thing. I think fouls are a little bit worrisome for Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah. The fact that he fouled out uh, six fouls in 23 minutes, you know, I get it. Like some of them were definitely terrible calls, but his last six foul, he would just put himself in a situation where the ref can make the call. You just have to put yourself in a situation where the ref just can't call a foul on you. You know, he was messing around with Zeller, trying to grab around. I get it. Zeller's been setting illegal screens all night and really pissing off a lot of the nets, but it's whatever. You just got to let it go. And like you said with D'Lo, just kind of impact the game in other ways. Kind of, You can kind of see when a shot doesn't fall sometimes where he's just not like into it. He, you can just see his energy is not super high. But when he's really engaged and he has the ball a lot, the energy level is definitely different. Yeah, and I, and I think that comes with all young guys, I think, Nick, you know. You'd be you're going around the league. It'd be hard to say sort of many sort of really mature, engaged heads. Now, I think it helps sort of seeing his teammates do well. And I don't think you know at the end of the night, you know, you ask D'Lo what how he felt about the night. I'm sure he'd be saying, you know, we got the W. Who cares how I played? And I'm sure every player is like that. But you know, D'Lo would obviously much rather be getting the Ws than you know filling up the stat sheet. And right now, you know, he didn't happen to fill up the stat sheet last night. 
but we got the win. Uh, and that's the important thing, you know, and his teammates sort of backed him up. But he still was able to contribute, you know, somewhat, you know, wasn't his best performance. But, you know, it, I think other than the last game, you know, he's had some really decent performances, uh, especially in sort of the past five or six, despite our losses. So, you know, if, if D'Lo doesn't perform, but we get the W, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, he just needs to find the consistency. Like you said, it's it's one good game, one bad game, one good game, one bad game. It's not he's not really finding his rhythm. And I, you know, a lot of people have pointed this out on Twitter. Instead of really taking over and you know feeling the energy, he's kind of trying to fit in with the team. And sometimes it's kind of throwing him out of his groove. Yeah, I think he's him and him and Spencer are definitely still finding their sort of partnership, how it works. Um, and I think you know going into going into the postseason where we uh, head into the next preseason. It's going to be interesting to sort of see how this experiment works. It's not necessarily an experiment because I would definitely like to see this going forward. And, you know, with Jeremy Lin back out on the court, sort of, you know, shooting some jumpers at practice and stuff, you know, it, we've got three quality guards there, three NBA-ready guards that sort of, you know, not necessarily superstars and, you know, Damian Lillard, Stephen Curry types, but all three of those guys have great potential. And, you know, Jeremy Lin's already cemented himself as one of the best sort of six man and sort of, you know, one of the better guards. We, we all saw Lin Stanley. We were all a part of that. Um, but Spencer didn't we has, you know, come out of nowhere, was a fringe starter. And might I add, a Taco Bell skills challenge winner. <laughs> um, but D'Lo as well, you know, the sky's the limit for him. You know, he just, like you said, consistency is the key. And I think it's a key across the board for our Nets because we seem engaged, but I think last night's performance was sort of, you know, a really sort of good stepping stone for looking at the consistency across four quarters because we were really good for four quarters. Yeah, and I think uh, you mentioned, you know, the three guards. You could probably throw Levert in there as a fourth guard. So that's what yeah. really makes it difficult for the Nets because I think we'd all agree it kind of seems like Levert's at his best when he has the ball and he's running that pick and roll, and it's had good results on the team as well. So definitely a decisions for the next Nets to make in the offseason, maybe trades or whatever, signings, you know, a lot of stuff to talk about in that terms of that. But, Jack, as always, thank you for hopping on. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And like I mentioned before, you can listen to Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com and now Dash Radio. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.